Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm your host of Getting the Herd, the award-winning Machine Foundation's podcast. Um, it's another chilly but sunny day in Richmond. Uh, well, Henrico. Um, yeah, and uh, we are live on Facebook and YouTube right now. Um, and we're going to do a show. And that's uh, that's the best intro I've got because I'm going to be honest, it's been... Uh, <laughs> kind of a long day um and uh yeah so let's uh let's get right to it uh i have my recovery coachy here want to introduce yourself hi everybody my name is bradley and uh yeah i'm grateful to be here today justin asked me on and uh got me out of group for a little bit so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with group though i mean it can be a little little much all day every day but uh, i know that when i was going through uh McShin, I, I got a little bit out of every group. I think it depends on the facilitator, though, who's actually running the group, because some groups are better than others. Um, I know I'm not very good at running groups. I do it, but I'm not very good at it just because I, I never prepare myself before I actually run the groups. Um, I always end up. <laughs> Hi, Dixie. Um, I always end up uh, just talking about something else completely and getting completely off topic um so yeah um like i said groups can be good they can be really good yeah it was actually kind of tough for me to step out of the group we just had it was uh it was getting pretty intense uh yeah every once in a while it gets uh pretty tough and, explain intense uh so intense really just um you know sometimes they're very monotonous and you know you kind of you're just getting a lot of information um and other groups get um just heavy you know you really start getting into the deep stuff and and um you know working through a lot of um you know the mental mental issues we all go through as addicts here um uh yeah and it's just it gets heavy man you get some people start to cry and some people want to walk out and come back after they calm down a little bit and yeah it just gets uh down to the nitty-gritty really you uh the last time we had a session you came in and uh you had said you 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 did what breath work? Yeah, and yeah. You the, said that was pretty intense. Uh, tell me what that was like. Um, yeah, so it was uh, with this uh, fellow named Frank, and um, yeah, so it was a three part breath work. Um, 
and you breathe real deep in your belly and then your chest and release. And we did that for about half an hour straight. And oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm like shaking a little bit, just even thinking about it, remembering it. Um, you know, I got to a certain point of, um, you know, I wasn't like, I kind of went into like a, um, not like an outer body experience, but more of an inner body experience. And, um, yeah, like, uh, at a certain point I kind of felt like my inner soul was talking to me. It was, it was heavy, man. I started crying and, uh, my hands started clenching up and yeah. Not well, necessarily a bad thing though. No, no, not at all. I mean, um, it's definitely very difficult work. Um, a lot of people do say that they don't recommend it for people in early recovery. Um, right. and they were kind of touching base on that. Wait, you said they don't recommend it for people? Yeah, they don't recommend really? it because it's, um, you know, you start pulling up a lot of feelings and emotions and it can be very overwhelming and scary. Huh. Um, but the, the, you know, the facilitator was saying that he thinks it's better to, to get to that, you know, a little, little earlier on yeah. and to, you know, kind of show you what you're going through. Cause you face a lot of traumas and, you know, other heavy stuff in your heart that you don't realize is there and it can be, it well, can that's be... why, that's, that's why a lot of us are here actually, you know, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of what we, you know, I guess you could say suffer from is, uh, is past traumas that causes us to do the things that we do, um, up to and including drug use. Um, you know, uh, I know that, um, me personally, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, deal with any, I guess you could say major. I mean, the only, the only really traumatic stuff I had happen to me was, you know, with my father, but that's really, I mean, it was, it's not something that's left over, you know, like I've already processed that and, and dealt with it. Yeah. You think you did. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Okay. That's when I you get into I that did. breath work, yeah. you know, you think you got past all those things, but uh, then when they well, resurface, I didn't say, I, didn't say I, I had gotten past it um, because I don't think I'll ever get past that, but it's definitely something mm -hmm. that I've, I've dealt with. I've, I've digested it and you know, I, I understand the reality of the situation. Whereas before, um, up until, up until a couple of years ago, I hadn't really, you know, uh, processed the reality of the situation and, uh, it weighed pretty heavily on me. Uh, and all right, well, I mean, hell with it, you know, since, since we're, uh, we're doing this thing, you know, um, so when I was, uh, real young, uh, my parents got a divorce, right. Happens to a lot of kids their yeah. parents get divorced and they end up blaming themselves for their parents getting divorced well i was fortunate enough to where i was so young that i didn't really know what was going on so i didn't mm -hmm. know really how to blame myself so you know like like what happens to to, to most you know kids that have parents that got divorced um i got passed back and forth you know um and parents fought like cats and dogs for for custody and you know, the little, the, the petty things that, that come up. Well, I want him this weekend. Well, I want him next weekend, that type thing. Right. I say petty, but you know, I'm not a parent. Um, you know, uh, that, that, that can be pretty, pretty major for, for the parents to, to be able to see their kids. And I get that. Um, but the problem is when you start, when the parents start using the kid, you know, as a weapon leverage, uh, yeah, yeah. As leverage yeah. against the other parent. Uh, and that happened, um, you know, my, my father would do that to, uh, my mom, uh, as often as he could. Um, and I'm sure if you ask him today, he would deny it, 
Um, but I know for a fact, because I think back to some of the things that happened and, you know, it's, it's like, damn, you were just, you were literally just trying to be an asshole, you know, mm -hmm. um, making plans with me and not showing up. Um, and, you know, just doing things that would deliberately put me in a bad mood so that, you know, when I would have to, you, you know, when I would go to uh, my mom and stepdad's house, I would just, I'd be in a bad mood. I'd be shitty, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, time went on, time went on and I, uh, I got a little older and I realized that I didn't, I didn't really want to go live with my, my father and my stepmother anymore. I wanted to live with, with my mom and my stepdad. Um, and it was, you know, there was a stable household. I was around all my friends. Um, you know, during the school year I was, I stayed with my mom. Um, and you know, I just liked the, I liked the environment better, you know? Right. Where you're comfortable. Um, yeah. I was very comfortable. Um, you know, my father, you know, we've moved around a lot and, you know, I, I never really had, I guess you could say a home home stability, um, right? Stability, <laughs> yeah. general stability. Um, and, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at comments. I'm, I'm, I'm producing as I'm, I'm hosting. So <laughs> it's, uh, if I, if I stop and, uh, kind of look over here, it's because yeah. A lot of comments already. I'll get to some of these comments in, in just a minute. Let me let me finish, uh, you know, finish story time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it got to a point where I decided that, like I said, I wanted to live with my mom and, and, and who I now call dad. Um, and my 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 dad, my uh, when I ref when I say my dad, I'm referring to my stepdad. When okay. I say my father, I'm referring to my biological father. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. So my dad and my mom sat me down and said, if that's what you want to do, you know, that can't be something that we tell your father. That has to be something that you tell mm -hmm. your father. Um, and I was scared to death. Hey, do me a favor. Oh, okay, we're just going to microphone is going to completely fall off my desk that's good this show is turning into a train wreck well technical Yay. difficulties here technical difficulties <laughs> always um, wanted to say that <laughs> move the uh the mic away from your shirt a little bit because i can hear it there you go all right how's that buddy? we're doing great all right <laughs> so um i made that phone call and it scared the shit out of me um uh, you know i was shaking when i called him and i didn't know what to what to expect, um, you know, how he was going to respond and everything. And it didn't, didn't really go all that great. Um, he was pretty pissed. Um, and you know, he, he just insisted that, no, this is coming from, you know, your, your mother and stepfather. That's, that's who, mm -hmm. like, this isn't know, coming, this from isn't you. coming from you. And I tried to tell him over and over again, yeah, it's coming from me, you know, um, this is what I want. I think I was 15 at the time. I think that's how old you have to be when you say that. Um, so, uh, my, my dad for the longest time had wanted to adopt me and it was a very difficult conversation and one that he didn't feel that he was 
he didn't feel that it was his place to tell me because he didn't want to, well, he just, it wasn't something that was, it wasn't comfortable, you know? Yeah. And, and it was hard conversation to have. Yeah. Hard conversation to have. Um, so one year for my, for my dad's birthday, uh, my mom and I got together and we basically did an adoption, uh, an adult adoption, uh, from, you know, both of us to him. And I forget, I think I was living downtown somewhere, like an apartment somewhere, but basically the, the plan was I was supposed to wake up and then come over to the house and present him with the, uh, the papers. Um, so I woke up in the morning, uh, and I called, you know, my mom and dad and I said, Hey, I'm getting ready to come over. And my dad just, I mean, he was crying and I was like, um, my mom had already given him the paperwork that ah. I was supposed to give him. And I was like, mom, what the hell? Like you, you kind of blew it, but whatever. She was excited too. So I wasn't, I wasn't too pissed off. Uh, but I got there and, you know, we did the whole adoption thing. So that happened. Um, my father found out about it and he was just pissed. Yeah. I mean, pissed. Um, I to, mean, could you say understandably so, though? I mean, yeah, you know, um, like but but when this happened, um, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a very long time. And the last thing that he told me uh, was that I was to be considered a guest in his house, that I was mm. not part of the family. Um, estranged, you know, right. Much estranged at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, all right, if I'm not part of the family, I'm going to go to the family that I am part of. So, um, I, uh, just all communication between me and my father was severed, completely severed. Um, and I've got, uh, two sisters and, or no, three sisters and a brother, um, whom I'm still, you know, connected with, mm -hmm. uh, still talk to him every once in a while. Um, I still talk to most of that side of my family. I still like, I have a good friend who's my cousins, uh, this guy, Ben, um, we used to hang out all the time. We used to be in bands together. Like we did all kinds of stuff together. It was awesome. Um, you know, every once in a while I would talk to my aunt. Um, you know, I think she kind of harbored some resentments against me. Um, rightfully so. Um, because, you know, I did a thing that unless you, are in my shoes you can't understand why i did it you know right um uh, man i that my my last name used to be andrews uh, it's now bognar um and so i hadn't talked to my father and i would say 15 to 20 years um, wow. it's been a very, very long time. And the, the realization that I came to, and this is going to sound kind of morbid and kind of dark, but I came to the realization that the next time I see that man, it's very, well, it's very possible that the next time I see that man will be at his funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, because 
I don't think there's ever any hope of us burying the hatchet. We're both too damn stubborn and too bullheaded. Um, you know, we, we don't, it just, I just don't see it ever happening. You know, we're both too different. Um, so me and my girlfriend, um, we have date night every Friday night. Nice. Um, <clears throat> and this one particular night, um, you know, we, we'll do something stupid. Like we'll, we'll, we'll go out and like this, this one particular night, um, we went out and we got a pizza and we went to the parking lot of a hotel just to get out of the house, you know, mm -hmm. and we sat there in the car and talked and ate pizza. Freaking great. You know, like those are the best dates. Yeah. Simple, um, simple, but sweet. <laughs> yeah. Simple, but sweet. Exactly. Um, you know, we're having a great time, having a great conversation and everything. And I whip out my phone and look at it. And I noticed that I had a missed uh, messenger FaceTime call from my father. Oh, wow. Curveball. <laughs> yeah. And like my mood, like I, I remember Teresa looking at me and she was just like, whoa, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel right now. And I showed her my phone and she was just like, whoa, like, what are you, what are you going to do? And I was just like, like, I started freaking out. Like it, so many thoughts were running through my head, you know, like, yeah, what I do imagine. I say to him? You know, what, what, what do I say to him? Like, we, I, we don't know each other anymore. Yeah. You know, we have no idea who the other person is anymore. And I was like, for, first off, what do I say to him? Second off, why the hell is he calling me? What does he right. want? There's so many questions. And then I started head. thinking, did somebody in the family die? Like, did one of my sisters just like get hurt? Like, is there something bad going on that I need to know about? Right. Like, Brain always seems to go to the worst. Yeah, exactly. Like the worst case scenario. And then, so I was like, all right. And I looked at Teresa and I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm, I've got to call him because I've got to be the bigger man. You know, even though I'm scared to death and I don't want to do it, I've got to be the bigger man. So I call him or no, I texted him first and I was like, hey, look, if you want to get a hold of me, here's my phone number. Give me a call. I'm available right now. You know, didn't hear anything back. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna call him. So I called him through messenger. Um no answer and i was like you know part of me was kind of hoping he didn't yeah the phone. yeah yeah of course <laughs> so but but there was no answer so um you know I, I put the phone down and i was just like okay i did it you know the ball's in his court if he really wanted to get a hold of me if he wanted to talk to me you know his turn yeah yeah but it still irked me i was just like what did this man want? What did he possibly want from me? Like, right. I didn't even think he liked me anymore, you know? Um, you got all these questions and stirred up a bunch of emotions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then I was like, furthermore, he just ruined my damn night, ah, you know? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to let that ruin my night. You know, like, whatever he's got to say, obviously it wasn't important enough for him to answer the phone when I called back. So... But it's still in the back of my head, like, what did he 
want. Did you ever speak to him? Did you ever get in touch no. with him? No. You're I never still did. questioning it to I, this day. <laughs> well, I texted. Okay, so here's here's the kicker. I texted uh, my sister, and I was like, so our father called me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you have any idea what he may have wanted? And I, I, and I was like, you know, is everybody okay? Is there any major family news? Like, what's going on? She was like, no, everything is just as it was before. Like, everything's fine. There's nothing going on. So she was like, I'll, I'll reach out to him and, and see if, you know, whatever. So... She texted me back like an hour later and was like, he said he was looking at your Facebook page and accidentally hit the messenger call button. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, really? So so this man just put me through all that because he accidentally hit the wrong button. And then, oh. I, and then so Teresa brought this up to me, actually. She was just like, you know, that's not possible through Facebook. You can't accidentally make a messenger call if you're just looking at somebody's Facebook profile. Oh, really? Okay. You can't do that. that. Like you <laughs> have to, like if you go on to Facebook and you're looking at somebody's profile, you know, so there's nowhere on here. So there's nowhere on here to make. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to do it on messenger. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Unless you <clears throat> physically go in here and mm-hmm. hit video call or audio call. But if you're just looking at somebody's page, you can't just huh. accidentally do yeah, that. Yeah, so he probably lied about that. He did lie about <laughs> it. Yeah, he yeah. had to have. That's the only thing. Um, hmm. But she brought that to my attention. And I was just like, oh, yeah. It's like that kind of whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's that's the story with, with me and my father and that whole other side of the family. Um, so I guess that's, you know, I mean, you know, some of the things that happened were, were kind of, I guess you could say traumatic, but I don't really, I don't really see them that way. I don't like, I, I guess just because like so many people that I know from here have been through so much worse, right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's not to, to discount, what happened to me but like what happened to me seems rather light yeah i mean there are different know. levels of there you are know. there absolutely are like yeah um i've heard some people's stories and i'm just like oh my god like what how are you still alive you know yeah. um yeah and it's, I, I really do appreciate you sharing that um yeah question, yeah you know um and you know a big thing i know that in the program you know naa and any other recovery program is that, you know, they always say, you know, we focus on our similarities, not our differences. And, um, you know, a lot of the beginning of that story you're sharing is, you know, I, I can relate hundred percent. I mean, my parents split when I was about five, okay. um, uh, mom left. I didn't see her for a few years. Um, and that's actually how I ended up in Virginia. And when she left, she ended up coming here to Charlottesville, um, oh, cool. over to Charlottesville. So, um, and yeah, same thing. At a certain age, they asked me who I wanted to live with. Um, you know, and it was, uh, I said, I wanted to live with both my parents because yeah. I, you know. <laughs> both? I, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Who do you love and, more? <laughs> yeah. I remember that at a young age of 15 being, you know, in a courthouse and just trying to be like, hey, like, can't we just uh, shake hands and not be so mean to each other? Um, if only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, it was a pretty nasty divorce. You know, I mean, doors kicked in. 
electric boxes on the side of houses being snipped. <laughs> it was, you know, all the fun stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of nasty stuff involved with yeah. it. Um, and uh, you know, is very similar too because I mean, the manipulation and the leverage that parents can, you know, use. It's their, crazy. Yeah, man. It's, it's so crazy how they can do that. And it's you know, and I understand like in the heat of the moment, these things happen, and maybe people aren't thinking very clearly or thinking about the ramifications of these things, but. I mean, remembering that when I was a kid, all that that stuff going on, it was just, you know, I didn't really understand it then. And now looking back on it, it's like, man, there were some real, real issues going on. Yeah. Um, and not later did I find out until, you know, in my older age here that, uh, I mean, not that I'm old, I'm 27, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> further down the road, I find out, you know, my mom had a, a really bad um, pill addiction back then. And that, you know, caused a lot of issues. Right. As but, it can. Um, there was no rules at all at my uh, when I went to go see my mother, especially considering we were a couple states away. Yeah. Um, so if anything did go down, it's not like my dad was able to see it. You know, he only heard about some things. Um, but, you know, kind of similar at my father's house. There wasn't a lot of rules there. Everything was kind of just like, yeah, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. And then, you know, so we would run rampant at my mom's house and I've got three brothers and a sister. Um, and. Yeah, we would run rampant. My my mom was buying me beer and cigarettes at 13 years old, you know, and it's just was, you know, get out of control. And then we'd go back to, you know, my dad's house and we would just be wild, you know, and just causing my dad so many issues. And then next thing you know, my dad's the enemy because he, you know, oh, you, you're so uptight. You never let you, you never let us do what we want to do, you know, because mm -hmm. mom would let us do anything. And there was no. um structure right at all. right um and yeah just with, with and that. you would think like being a young kid you'd be like sweet no rules i could do what i want mm -hmm. but i don't and i don't know i liked that i guess i liked that i knew what to expect you know i knew that at the end of the day i was going to sit down to a nice dinner i knew that you know when i woke up there was going to be you know, breakfast and cartoons, and then we were going to go do something and then blah, blah, blah. You know, like, yeah. I liked the idea that I, I knew what to expect. Whereas at my father's house, it was just like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. What happens. We'll see. <laughs> we'll just play it by ear. Right. Essentially. Um, I do want to get to, I didn't cut you off at all, did I? No, no, you're good. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I can go on all day about my past. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best cut me off while you can. <laughs> uh, so we've got Leslie Jones here. She says, uh, hello, it's been a while. I'm doing great. I see you often on here. Miss you guys. We miss you too. Um, and she says she has a sister that's going through what is reality and what isn't from the use of meth. It's horrible when she believes what is not real. Yeah, yeah, that meth can do that. Uh, been there, that, been that there. Meth psychosis. <laughs> um, I was always one that that uh, I kind of forced myself to to stop and lay down at least for a couple of hours. Um, you know, I stayed up for a couple of days a few times and it never ended good. It was never a good experience. Once you get past the initial, this is awesome phase, everything else is just, I mean, you're chasing a high and you're just tweaking. And I, yeah. I, yeah. nothing's worse than being up and not being able to come down, even though you really, really yeah, want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Leslie, do you do you know Leslie? Or? No, um, okay. Actually, uh, Ly Alyssa, Alyssa Marie, there. Um, 
<laughs> she says uh, we love you, Bradley. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Alyssa Marie and uh, tell Stella I said I love her. That's her her youngin. Leslie says thank you for sharing your story. Absolutely, it's uh, that's what we do. That's uh, that's how we uh, make ourselves heal. Um. Yeah, and 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 I share I share that story because. Um, you know, I want people to that are listening to this and they may hear this later um, to know that there's there's nothing shameful about what you've been through. There's nothing shameful about, you know, what what has caused you to. I don't want to say do things that you regret doing, um, but we all have a backstory. You know, we all have something that 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 we did that we wish we hadn't done or, or something that happened to us that we wish hadn't happened to us that causes us to do things that we do. Um, mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's be hundred percent honest, you know, no. Oh, Leslie was at McShin three years ago. Okay, cool. Well, hi Leslie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you can sit here and say that you live with no regrets, uh, I think that's BS. Yeah. No, no regrets. <laughs> yeah. No regrets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody has it something is BS. that they regret. It's totally BS. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, when you regret something that is, you know, and you feel guilty, I've, I've, I've learned, you know, that it's your moral compass telling you yeah. you did something wrong. And yeah. it's, you know, now, you know, it's like, okay, that made me feel bad. Let's not do that again. <laughs> well, so I came through McShin twice. Um, and the first time I came through, um, I felt ashamed, you know, I felt mm -hmm. really ashamed because, and I'm, I'm a little bit older, you know, I'm old, but I mean, I'm 40, I'm, excuse me, I'm 41 now. And I think I was 36 when I came through. And I mean, I was, sitting in, in rooms with 19, 20 year olds, mm -hmm. you know? So these guys were young and I was just like, man, I was like, you guys caught it early. I, you know, had to wait till I was in my mid to late thirties to, you know, um, admit that I had a problem. Um, and like, I didn't, f I felt ashamed also because like, I was like, God, I can't relate to you guys because I've done some, some grimy shit, you know? Yeah. Like I've done things that I don't want to tell anybody else about. Um, it's tough at first. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I started hearing other people's stories and I was just, you know, I would be taken aback. Like, Oh, you did what now? <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. You know, like that. Yeah, I thought I was bad. Yeah. I thought I was bad. <laughs> like, um, you know, like, and that's and that's kind of the that's kind of one of the big things that I want people to understand. Like, you know, if you're thinking about seeking help, you know, first off, please pick up the phone, please reach out to somebody because you know it, it's you know, I I did a testimonial earlier. Um and one of the things that was said was that, you know, it's so much better on this side of the fence, you hmm. know, and it it absolutely is um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't give this up for anything like i'm so happy to be where i am right now um but also like you don't have to feel you know ashamed because like when they say peer-to-peer -peer recovery you're definitely around your peers you know you're you're around people that have have done the same grimy shit that you've done and you know it's not about what you've done that doesn't define you as a person, you know, it's yeah. about what you're doing now, you know, how you're, you know, 
not necessarily forgetting your past, but dealing with your past right. in, in a, you know, a mature, responsible way, you know? Um, yeah. And if you don't get to that and really work on it, I mean, that's where, you know, at least for me, I speak for myself where, you know, my depression gets really bad when I start um, dwelling on, you know, the bad things I've done in the past. And, um, and how, how is it again? It's a uh, guilty is something you feel bad about and ashamed is when you think you're a bad person for that stuff right i think yeah uh, <laughs> i think that's how it goes and uh, <laughs> yeah but um yeah um, i mean you know the depression kicks in when you start dwelling on all your past mistakes and and if you're not working on it then that's God, depression know. is the worst yeah it's bad it right? sucks so bad <laughs> but yeah as soon as you start making effort to move forward on that and and you know like deciding to come to the mcshin foundation for me is you know i was so far into my depression that mm -hmm. I couldn't get myself out. That's for sure. I needed help <laughs> towards the, well, towards the end of, um, you know, my, my active addiction this last time I was pretty depressed. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, my depression was something that I brought on myself, you know, um, I definitely have a, a, a problem with depression, you know, uh, and, and I know it's not just, I have good days and bad days and I'm just sad, you know, like that's yeah, not yeah. what depression is. Everybody gets sad. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets sad. Um, depression is an overwhelming sense of hopelessness. Just, you feel like there's a dark cloud following you around everywhere. Mm -hmm. Depression is the inability to get out of bed and do anything. Depression is, you know, the inability to talk to people, even though you want to, you know, at least that's what depression is for me. Um, you know, and usually it's coupled with anxiety, um, which is absolutely crippling my, my anxiety. I was, <laughs> I was really, really anxious last night. Um, Teresa was trying to go to bed, uh, because we both wake up and we go to the gym at, at five o'clock in the morning, we wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know? I remember so, you telling me it's like, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, she's killing it. Like I'm, I am so ridiculously proud of her. Like she's gotten up sometimes easier than other mornings. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, she still gets up and she goes and does it every morning. That self-care is uh, real important. Yeah. And, and she's even told me like, it's crazy because I feel better at work. I mean, she's, mm -hmm. we've been doing this for like two weeks now, you know, and she's already like, I feel better at work. I feel cl more clear headed. I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, when you get up early and get those endorphins going and, and get your body moving, like yeah. that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Don't get complacent now. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. get complacent. As soon as I start feeling better and I start seeing the positive, um, you know, outcomes of my, you know, positive behavior, you know, I start getting comfortable like, oh, I'm feeling a lot better. I don't need to do, I don't yeah. need to do that anymore. And then slowly but surely, you know, back, back at it again, depression with, you know, use you know everything else like that mm -hmm. it's a uh, consistency is what i've learned is my problem i am not always consistent <laughs> i love how how the comment section is is almost turning into like <laughs> people having their own conversations <laughs> that's awesome uh so lissa she says i don't regret anything truly but it's not bs i just truly believe everything i have gone through is to teach me something and had I not learned all I have at this point, I would not be who I am at all. And who I am today, I love. And uh, Lissa, that's 
that's pretty powerful, honestly, because yeah, like the stuff you deal with, the stuff you go through, uh, <clears throat> is, uh, <clears throat> I've got something in my throat. Sorry. Uh, the stuff that you go through, the things that happen to you, your life experiences definitely make you who you are. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, the only thing I would say is I, I definitely do. I have some regrets. Um, you know, the first thing she said is I, I don't regret anything. Um, and I, there's, <laughs> I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't regret some things. <laughs> there's definitely some dumb shit that I've done where I was like, I probably should have made a different decision, but I didn't, yeah. you know? Um, and then Leslie says, so true. I've been one of the many that should have died a long time ago. Uh, gang raped guns held at my head, car accidents, and some was without my children for years. Having the high and the guilt of that almost killed me, but we have to understand it's a disease. Change can be scary until we take the first step. And you're right. What we are doing now, that's what counts. Um, yeah, Leslie, um, it is a disease. Um, I, I didn't realize that at first. I thought I was just weird. I thought, <laughs> you know, like that was one of the things I used to think, um, you know, in active addiction before I knew anything about addiction, before I knew anything about recovery, I was just like, why do I constantly feel that I'm not going to have a good day unless I use some type of mind altering chemical, Yeah, you know, whether it's just smoking a little bit of weed or, or you know, uh, popping a Percocet or, or, you know, any, anything, you know, like, why is it, why do I have this overwhelming urge to use something? And if I don't like, I couldn't bear the thought of just existing, Yeah, you know, just being alive, not messed up, you yeah. know, like being alive, sober. I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought of that. It was just like, who would want to do that? You know? I think it's one of the things too, where it's like, you know, early on when you don't have that information, it could be so dangerous. Oh yeah. You know, where it's like, I mean, information is power. It really is. Um, I mean, there's a reason in history that you see, you know, you know, hierarchies burning books, you know, you see it all the time in history mm -hmm. where they're trying to make it so people don't have information and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and you know, when you don't have that information, you don't know what's going on yeah. i mean <laughs> you have no idea what to do how to do it you know you feel alone and and you know that's dangerous for real Ooh. i mean i remember when i was young um and i first realized that i had that kind of similar feeling where it's like i don't understand why i can't get through the day without using yeah um and finally somebody you know gave me the information they were like hey um you're an addict yeah <laughs> turns out you have yeah yeah like, Turns out your brain doesn't fire like other people's brains. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're at a party and having fun, and everybody else goes home and goes to sleep, and now I'm, you know, yeah. keep going for some odd reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next day, they're like, oh, what happened to you last what night? What happened to you? <laughs> don't worry don't, about that. I don't that. know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so I'm going to run the uh, – if you if, if if you or someone you know has a problem with drugs or alcohol um, – yeah, that's that's uh, all of McShin's information down at the bottom uh, going across the screen. Um, show up, give us a call, um, you know, do do what you got to do. Visit the website. Um, but, yeah, don't just don't just 
try and convince yourself that you don't have a problem if you know deep down in your heart that you do. Because uh, I think we all we all realize that we have a problem way before we're willing to admit it. Um, when I say we, I mean, you know, those who suffer from uh, substance use disorder. Um, yeah, you get that. I get that gut feeling. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, something's no, I, missing. I, I knew that I had a problem. And my thing was I, I, I wasn't willing to say, oh, I have a problem with methamphetamines or you know, I have a, a, a problem with, you know, prescription painkillers or anything like that. Like I knew deep down in my heart that I just had a problem with drugs. I just had a problem mm. using, you know, like I had an overwhelming urge to use. And if it was something, I mean, like even little stuff, like, like I would, uh, go get, uh, Excedrin. Mm-hmm. from the drugstore i would pop four excedrin before every shift just for the caffeine rush yeah i'm like i could have just drank coffee <laughs> but either way it's like i couldn't get through the shift without that feeling that buzz you know like i it, it had to be something you know yeah i couldn't just and then so i drink a ton of coffee yeah. now i had a problem with sudafed for a while and i didn't Sudafed. Actually, i didn't actually understand why I like it so much until, and then later okay. on, I found out it's one of the main ingredients in methamphetamines. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but, so, so I can't stop yawning. So one yeah. thing that I've heard um, a lot from my sponsor, he says it all the time, um, which I wholeheartedly agree with, is that um, the, um, I didn't have a problem with drugs. I had a problem with myself. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and then you hear other versions of it where it's like drugs are just a symptom of our disease. You know, where it's, you know, we're trying to, you know, self-medicate because mm-hmm. internally we're lacking in some way. Yeah, Which is okay. On. I mean, it took me a long time to accept the fact that, um, you know, I knew I had a problem, but accepting that I had a problem because I didn't want to um, feel less than. Yeah. I felt inadequate. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's actually crazy. Earlier today, I was, I don't know why, but for some reason that uh, the that quote it was i think it was in coach carter where he said uh kept asking what's his what's your biggest fear and he kept answering and it was always wrong but finally he said uh our greatest fear isn't that we are inadequate it is that we are powerful beyond measure Mm -hmm. um and then uh, there's a little more added on the end i can't remember but um that that is real for me it's you know i'm not you know i'm not afraid that i'm not good enough i'm afraid that i'm too good yeah and and it's like you know my you know, my, the possibilities are endless and that unknown factor that, you know, the fear of, of, I don't know what's to come is, you know, it gets heavy and overwhelming. So one of my biggest fears, and I always thought this was weird until I found it there, found out that there are other people that feel this way. One of my biggest fears is success, mm-hmm. being successful. Yeah. I'm scared shitless of being successful and I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, you know, like, but I guess then you could get into what's the measure of success and all that. And yeah, I try to look at it like, you know, what, what I am scared of is, um, I guess having, having all that responsibility of, you know, being successful and you know 
the, I mean, the responsibility of it. Just the, just the responsibility of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just having to be that present. Like I can't, I, I can't just like, I don't know how, like I won't, I won't be able to just like, if I don't feel like coming to work, I, I, I won't be able to just like, Oh, I don't feel like coming in today. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> like obligations, this and... job, like I feel obligated to be here. Yeah. You know, like I feel responsible for things that happen in this building. Um, like, I mean, as, as, and don't take this the wrong way, as minuscule as it may seem, like if I don't show up, I know that means you don't get a, a coaching session, whatever our yep. coaching se session may include. That's something that I'm taking away from you. So I'm essentially responsible for a, 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 a small fraction of your recovery, you know? Yeah. And just like you're responsible for a small fraction of my recovery, because don't think I don't get anything out of our sessions, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's a two way street. Um, yeah. Following through with commitments. Yeah. That's, that's really a big yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how many, um, job opportunities I've turned down. Um, you know, like my boss, like I work in the restaurant in industry primarily. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've been offered like, Hey, we want to teach you how to become, you know, a manager, or we want you to take the head chef position in the kitchen. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm cool with the dish pit. Cause that, you know, that that's way more responsibility that, you know, the fear, I think it's more of the fear of getting that responsibility and that success and then losing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cause I've, I've been in a position before where I have, um, you know, self-sabotage is very common for addicts. Um, I've been in a position, <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> I've been in, <laughs> I've been in the position before where I've actually spoken out loud and said, I'd rather have nothing so that I don't have fear of losing anything. Yeah, yeah. And I'd rather be, I've been, you know, homeless before with nothing but the clothes on my back and a pair of ratty shoes and a pocket full of drugs. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, I'm cool with this. I like this because I just, I only want to be lose. responsible for me, myself, and I. <laughs> yep. and, Pure, yeah, yeah. self centered selfishness. Yeah. Like, I don't want any <laughs> of my family to love me anymore. I'm going to do anything I can to scare them off. <laughs> so, that, so that I can wallow in my own garbage yep. <laughs> without, without any problems. <laughs> I just want to be a piece of garbage all by myself. <laughs> and, and just, and actually reflecting on it and looking back on it now, it's like, oh my God, what an insane thought process yeah. that is. But is it though? <laughs> I mean, like, I, but I don't know, that. man, like there's something, there's something almost romantic about just like, waking up and like the sense of freedom just a sense of total and complete freedom from every responsibility yeah. and just everything and you know i now that like because i'm clean right now like i show up for my life you mm -hmm. know like i'm present in my life and i'm actively engaged in my life and i do things on a day-to-day -day basis basis that make my life you know or make other people engage with my life, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I love that. Like I would, I, I don't want that to go away, but at the same time, like there's definitely points throughout the day where I'm just like, shut the door, <laughs> yeah. put the phone down, like turn the computer. Like I mm -hmm. just want to lay on this couch and not be around anybody or anything, yeah, you yeah. know? And the idea of that being the case all the time, like there's, you know, something kind of, yeah, well, I think, about that. Yeah, I think it comes into being, um, you know, spiritually disconnected. Yeah. And yeah. not, you know, and, and that really is, I mean, like spirituality to me is 
having connections with people, having bonds. Yeah, yeah. Having that, you know, those those strong, you know, solid connections with people and knowing that I'm not alone. Um, but also having that, you know, it, it's kind of like a, you know, a double-edged sword. You know, having those bonds and those strong connections is scary because now when you lose those, it hurts. That pain yeah, is real. Yeah. You know, I was just talking about it earlier today where um, my brother Kyle passed away from a heroin overdose about four years ago. God rest his soul. Um, but I was in so much pain from it. Um, you know, I drank myself into a stupor because I didn't want to feel it um, for almost a year. And then, you know, obviously progressed into other things and all that. But um, earlier, about a year ago, I went through a lot of trauma therapy and a lot of, ther you know, with a really good therapist down in Florida. Um, and I came to the understanding that the reason that it hurt so much, you know, my brother's death, like the reason it hurt me and I had so much pain was because that love was real. Mm -hmm. And it and it it was for the first time in my life that I ever actually um, fully understood what true unconditional love was mm. because that pain was so real. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's it's the only um positive that i can take away from that pain is the fact that it reassured me that that love was real because that's why it hurt so much yeah you know so it's like having those bonds with other people can be um scary just because you know that the stronger it is the more it's going to hurt when you lose it mm -hmm. you know so yeah that's there's that comfort of not having those strong bonds with people so that i mean i don't man my drug dealer just disappears. I don't give a damn. It doesn't hurt. I don't care. I'll find another I'll one. I'll find yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'll find another one. Like there's no you know strength there in that connection. I mean, so it's it's easier on the heart and the soul when you yeah. use you know nonsense like that. Yeah. So. Man, I tell you what, we have. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen this many comments uh, throughout the show. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just high, uh, Bernick Sprouse acceptance is the key to all my problems. Uh, Joe P let's see, uh, Shauna, Juanita, Leslie, Lissa. Um, I, you know, honestly, like I would love to get to every single comment, but I don't think I can just because they're so there's some thank you all for commenting uh and and like sharing all of this with us it's pretty cool um yeah get in the herd yeah um <laughs> Lissa says wallow in your own garbage laugh my ass off that's so true though isn't it <laughs> it's crazy how we're okay with wallowing in our own garbage um Better than somebody else's garbage, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, but one thing I will say on the on the success piece is I don't, I'm not, I'm not scared of of being successful anymore um, as much as I used to be. Well, okay, so let me rephrase that because I had three different thoughts going on in my head. I still do fear success, but not so much that I'm not going to chase it. You mm -hmm. know. Um, there is always that fear. I think, I think the, the fear for me is that I'm not going to be good enough. That's, okay. a, that's a huge fear for me because mm -hmm. I want things for me and my family. You know, yeah. there's, there's big things that I want us to do and things that I want us to accomplish. 
and I'm going to get those things accomplished. Like yeah. I'm very driven to get those things accomplished, but will those accomplishments be good enough? Yeah. You know? It's like trying out for basketball and you gave it your all and you still didn't make yeah, the team. Yeah, you still didn't make the team. Um, you know, even though I know my girlfriend loves me, I know that, you know, like our little family unit, you know, whatever improvements are made are going to be good enough, mm-hmm. you know, but there's still that fear deep down inside of me. That's just like, no, this isn't, this isn't good enough. You know, yeah. like, like mm-hmm. it's just something that, <clears throat> that my awful brain is telling me, you yeah. know? Um, but anyways, um, it is, it is one, or it is, we are at 51 minutes and well, 52 minutes. Um, so do you have any final thoughts or anything like that? Um, final thoughts. Yeah. Um, anything final you want to say or, I mean, for one, I'm grateful that you had me on the show here. Um, for sure, man. Yeah. I mean, some of you uh, might believe this or not. It doesn't matter really, but, uh, this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. Really? Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, at the beginning there, my heart was in my throat, <laughs> and I was kind of nervous. But, um, but yeah, excellent, great experience, um, and I'm ex- super grateful to be at the McShin Foundation. I mean, if you would have asked me a week ago if I was going to be sitting here in a podcast and being your apprentice, learning cameras, you know, all the stuff about sound and audio, and you know, just being able, being in a position to help others. Crazy immensely. how things work out, right? Yeah, it's like I mean. Just a total 180, you know. And, and so, you know, now that, that we're, we're bringing the show to a close, uh, so this, we put this, well, I put this out on like Spotify and iHeartRadio mm-hmm. and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and all those places. Uh, we also are in 58 jails and institutions. Um, and that, believe it or not, is our biggest audience, um, is those who are currently experiencing incarceration. Yeah. Um, they're just bored. <laughs> Need something to listen to. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Uh, so I guess, uh, I guess that would be, uh, the hope shot, man. Like, like you don't have to be ashamed of what you've done. Like, it's not about what you've done in the past. It's, it's what you, it's about what you're doing to improve yourself and to improve the lives of, you know, the people that you, uh, the people that you let into your life, I guess. So on that note, thank you everyone for watching. It's been a really fun show. Thank you, Bradley, for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, yeah, I really uh, don't don't have much else to say. I'm horrible at ending shows because <laughs> very rarely do I actually host. I, I normally just produce. So, uh, you know, normally what I do is I just, I just go, Bye. <laughs>the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo-hoo. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times-Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. 
Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings, smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShann. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.